the beginning, when I started working with Christopher Nolan, I proposed to him that uh, there should be nothing in this movie that violates well-established physical laws, and all the speculation should come from science. And his response was, I think that's a great goal to the extent it does not get in the way of making a superb movie. This is Point of Discovery, the podcast that takes you behind the front lines of science. Today, we're eavesdropping on a conversation between two world-class scientists in the first of a two-part episode. The conversation is between two longtime friends and colleagues, Bill Press and Kip Thorne. Two things you should know about Bill are that he is a computational biologist at the University of Texas at Austin and that he was Kip's Ph.D. student at Caltech in the 1970s. He's asking the questions today. Two things you should know about Kip are that he won a Nobel Prize in physics for his work that helped lead to the discovery of gravitational waves, and that he was a science advisor for the 2014 Hollywood blockbuster Interstellar. That film featured another UT Longhorn, Matthew McConaughey. Here's Kip Thorne, science advisor for Interstellar. Through a science fiction movie, particularly a blockbuster like Interstellar, we can reach a far larger audience than I could reach as a professor. Uh, You're not educating the audience very much about science, but you can perhaps inspire the audience about science, and I think that's what the role of a movie like Interstellar. So we sold roughly 100 million tickets uh, worldwide. And uh, <laughs> as I say, that's a lot more than, than a classroom of 30 students at Caltech. How does Hollywood view science? Is it just a way to sell tickets to a certain group of people, or do you think that they really have some, some commitment? I think there's a great diversity of views about science in Hollywood. But in my one experience uh, thus far on the movie Interstellar, I found that everybody I encountered who was working on the project uh, was enthusiastic about making a movie that was uh, steeped in real science. From a guy who would park my car when I arrived on set, who would comment on, isn't it wonderful that uh, they're doing so, that they ha- have you as a science advisor on this, to the studio executives, the actors, Jessica Chastain, the only thing she talked about on the a red carpet at the world premiere was uh, how wonderful it was to play a theoretical physicist and work with Kip Thorne and about her role. So do you count her as one of your students? <laughs> no, let's just say that for a very brief period of time, she was a groupie of me, and for a very long time, I've been a groupie of hers. <laughs> In that kind of popular science, you have to make compromises. I mean, um, the people walking on the cloud crystals may not have been a high point of realistic science. How how did you weigh that in your mind? So there were things that surprised me in the movie. 
when I saw the first cut that I'd not had a chance to weigh in on. And that, this included that. <laughs> uh, but at the beginning, when I started working with Christopher Nolan, I proposed to him that uh, there should be nothing in this movie that violates well-established physical laws and all the speculation should come from science. And his response was, I think that's a great goal to the extent it does not get in the way of making a superb movie. Uh, and if you don't like what I do with the science, you don't have to defend me in public. And so we went on from there but, and very quickly build a great working relationship in terms of brainstorming on science. And he made compromises with the science only in places where we couldn't find, and, and only on a few occasions, when we could not find some way out of it. And so there's one scene, the trip through the wormhole, that uh, is uh, not based on real... <coughs> propagation of light through a hypothetical wormhole but is based on artistic license. So the compromises were made, but the number of compromises uh, compared to a typical science fiction film was very, very small. Kip Thorne shared the 2017 Nobel Prize in Physics with two other scientists for their work that contributed to the discovery of gravitational waves. These are waves in the fabric of space and time caused by the collision of extremely massive objects like black holes and neutron stars that fan out through the universe like ripples on a pond. It took decades of dreaming, raising money, and building the equipment for the LIGO experiment, plus the hard work of thousands of scientists and engineers to finally detect gravitational waves. But Nobel Prizes for any one discovery can only be given to, at most, three people. It's a crapshoot whether you get a Nobel Prize or not, typically. And, uh, and it, I think for working scientists, it's not a, a very clean measure of a scientist's worth. The scientists that I most value and whose work I most value don't have Nobel Prizes. It was obvious, pretty obvious to me, that when gravitational waves were discovered, there would be Nobel Prizes given for it. I didn't expect that I would get one, but, uh, and I was not doing it because of an expectation of a Nobel Prize. I was doing it because it was fun and because I thought it would have a big impact on the future of science. But another, another part of large projects is the continued advocacy for them that's required because uh, these are funded ultimately by the U.S. taxpayer over many, many years, many, many budget cycles. Um, you're certainly credited with a lot of that advocacy work. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I am pretty good at communicating science. It, I think, comes in part out of being a child in, in the Mormon church and giving two-and-a-half-minute talks to adults a couple of times a year. It was in the culture that I grew up in. And uh, that uh, plus experience on a, the debate squad in high school. And so I sort of came out of a culture and a high school experience with some skill at presentation and ar argumentation. And so I did turn it to, to that. And uh, I think that was probably my biggest contribution to LIGO was being the primary person uh, doing the advocacy in the early years. Mm -hmm. 
part two of this conversation, we'll learn more about the rather famous scientific family that both Press and Thorne belong to, as well as what gravitational waves mean for the future of astronomical research. Point of Discovery is a production of the University of Texas at Austin's College of Natural Sciences. Our senior producer is Christine Sinatra. Special thanks to Bill Press and Kip Thorne for today's conversation, and to the family of Bryce DeWitt and Cecile DeWitt Moret for their involvement in bringing Dr. Thorne to Austin for the inaugural Cecile DeWitt Moret Memorial Lecture. A video of that lecture, which has a lot more great stories from the world of physics, is on our website, pointofdiscovery.org, where you'll also find today's music credits. I'm your host and producer, Mark Earhart. Thanks for listening. Thank you.